to Quest for Gold on WGN Radio. Serena Williams was back on top. Singles title number 73 at the 2020 ASB Classic. It's her first title for three years and also her first since she became a mum. She won the ASB Classic in New Zealand, looking at the WTP women's ranking six months ahead of the Olympics in Tokyo. Serena is the highest ranked American at nine, followed by Madison Keys at 11. As many as four women from any country can make the cutoff in June. The U.S. women's national soccer team breaks camp in Florida and have on the spring schedule a rigorous She Believes Cup that will see them take on England, Japan, and Spain in a warm-up ahead of the Olympics. On the men's side, Arlington Heights native Brian McBride takes over as general manager of U.S. men's soccer. He's hoping to use some of his experience as a player to shape the 2020 campaign, including a push to make the Olympics. I think it's uh, it prepares me a lot. And, uh, you know, when you look at experiences uh, throughout my life, the fact that not only did I get to, to play and represent the national team, um, pretty much every team that I was on, I was able to captain at one time or another. And that leadership side of it, I think I'm going to lean heavily on. Understanding players, understanding uh, coaches, understanding, um, you know, the the way uh, clubs look at their players. I think that that right there is, is something that I can uh, fall back on from my playing days. In safe sport news, a U.S. District Grand Jury has subpoenaed sworn testimony of three current and former U.S. Olympic and Paralympic officials as it investigates U.S. OPC's handling of sexual abuse cases. They're looking into a civil rights lawsuit against USA Taekwondo and U.S. OPC, as well as Olympic gold medalist Stephen Lopez and his brother Gene, a longtime national team coach. The subpoenas are part of a wider Justice Department and IRS criminal investigation into how the USOPC, USA Taekwondo, USA Gymnastics, and USA Swimming have handled sexual abuse cases. NBC Universal and Comcast have announced the rollout of Peacock, a streaming service that will be launching this spring that will include extensive coverage of the Olympics come summertime. In this week's Athlete Spotlight, we talk with Thomas Jeske, a bronze medal winning indoor volleyball player. He grew up in Wheaton and went to Loyola University in Chicago. He's hoping to be named to the 2020 Olympic roster, but first, he's got to get healthy. A couple severe injuries over the last two years have set him back. I had a chance to grab him on the phone. He was driving to UC San Diego to catch Loyola's match and help the team capture some video. What's the weather there right now? Because it's uh, we're about to get hit with snow here in Chicago. Man, if you saw the view, I'm, I'm driving down to San Diego. All I have on my right side is ocean and sunshine, and we're at a military base, so there's like two military Ospreys, which are the the planes that turn into helicopters. They have the um, like the helicopter system that can turn. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. So that's my view right now. That's amazing. Pretty, and it's like it's 68 degrees. Yeah, it's really nice. Wow, that's fantastic. So you're still pretty involved then with Loyola volleyball. Yeah, I mean, recently, much more so. I was pretty removed from it, you know, like, I think two years ago was the last time there was anyone on the team that I played with. So um, it's it's easier at those points because you know the guys. uh, Now there's just a bunch of guys I don't really know. So um, I I was a little more removed from it last year, and now, uh, yeah, this year definitely definitely much more involved. that's That's a pretty good collegiate program, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't. The season is just starting this year, so it'll be inter- interesting to see where the where the team falls and uh, how it plays out. But 
um, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely had our run, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, two national championships was awesome. Let me ask you a question about that, uh, because they're, they're talking about, uh, you know, college athletes uh, now potentially getting sponsorship deals, uh, potentially running their own camps, uh, maybe getting paid yeah. to some extent. What do you think about that? Uh, now that you're separate from it, now that you get paid to play volleyball, do you think that when you were playing for Loyola, that would have been a good thing? Or do you think that that will, you know, hurt the sport in one form or another? I, I can't really see a way it would hurt the sport. Uh, but you know, I, there, I'm, I'm sure it could happen. But I think it, it's a positive thing, you know. And I don't know that volleyball is the best example on the men's side because just the market isn't quite as big. But you know, the women's side. Um, my my girlfriend Paige Tap, she played at uh, University of Minnesota, and they sold out every match, you know. And they had people wanting their pictures and their autographs and whatever. And you know, it's great. But, the programs take care of everything, you know, they're on full rides and whatever, but if the program and those athletes are bringing in that much more money um, that could be available to them in a way, or they can go use their own image and make money off that, I don't really see a reason why they shouldn't be able to do it. To be quite quite honest with you, I think the NCAA is, um, it's just so far over the top in, in controlling the athletes and um, you know the athletes have no power. They yeah they they don't control any of the money. That you, know, you look at these big football programs and basketball programs. I mean Duke UNC was a great example last year when they played. I think the cheapest ticket in the gym was two thousand dollars, and no athlete on that court saw any of the money. And everyone was there to see those athletes. You know it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but that's not to say I know what the answer is. It's just what we have going right now, especially in football and basketball. Um, and I would say women's volleyball more so than men just because of the market. Just what we have now doesn't make a ton of sense for the athlete. All right, so you you are battling an injury or you're overcoming an injury. Did you have some kind of surgery? 18 months ago, I tore my ACL, and I just gotten over that this past summer, and I was playing the World Cup in Japan. I think it was October 4th, maybe. Uh, I dove for a ball to try and save it and dislocated my shoulder and tore the front part of my labrum when the, my uh, my shoulder came out of the socket. Oh. So I had I had surgery on October 15th, and it's supposed to be about a six-month recovery. So I'm almost to three months. Um, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. It's, it's not fun, you know. I was really looking forward to getting back overseas and competing, kind of what we play for, and um, just the ability to compete and be on the court. So definitely missing that a lot. How's the knee? Yeah, that's. I would say one positive about this is that it's like giving me the time, being that I can't really do a ton of shoulder strengthening. I mean, now I'm starting to do a lot more, but you know, the initial stages of recovery, it's a lot of range of motion and um, just letting the shoulder heal from the surgery. So um, I was doing a ton of leg work, and that's been a definite positive. Is really strengthening my left knee, which is what the where the injury occurred. All right, so U.S. men's volleyball has qualified a bid for Japan, correct? They just haven't determined a roster? Uh, yes, yes, that's correct. Okay, so where, when does that process begin, and, and what's your role in that process? Uh, do they bring the teams together? Do they bring qualifying candidates together? Uh, what, what, how does this process go forward and, and before they're able to put a team together for 2020? Yeah, so we're playing in VNL, Volleyball Nations League, next summer, which uh, I think starts in late May. Uh, I think they're going to kind of take the, the main guys through the first three or four weeks of Nations League because it's a lot of travel, a lot of matches, tough on the body. 
uh, and then bring them home for a couple of weeks before the Olympics. Um, so what happens is we have a ton of guys in the gym, 14 travel, but at any given time when the main team is home, there's probably like 30, 35 guys in the gym on a daily basis. So it, it just kind of where the team's at in that moment, you know, you kind of know if guys are healthy, where you fall, but uh, obviously injuries occur and, you know, status has changed. You know, some guy comes in, he's young and he, pushes his way onto the main squad or um, someone's not performing, so they kind of find way it's, it's It's very fluid, I would say, and it just it's just kind of who's on the team at that time. Sure. What was Rio like? Tell me a little bit about that experience. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much everything you think it would be. Uh, yeah, it, it's the peak of sport, and you can just feel the energy, especially in the Olympic Village, you know, around all the other athletes, everyone's you know, you work so hard to get there, and now you're there, and now you get a chance to compete with the best in the world, and um, it's a little bit of sensory overload, you know, you're going into it, everyone you know, and their mother wants to reach out to you and remind you that, they, that you know them, or, you know, whatever, so that's a little bit interesting, you have to know who your people are, and then there's a bunch of different people, you know, that want your time, and want to talk to you, especially when you're down there, and um, it ends up being pretty important to just kind of center yourself and focus on why you're there because um, that's one of the things they talked about in processing, which is where we get all our all our Olympic gear, is that, you know, you can kind of get lost in that whole process and um, maybe lose sight of what got you there, uh, which, you know, you'd obviously very much regret being that you worked so hard to get there. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's about as crazy as you can imagine. I mean, I remember the energy in the gym the first day we got there the the bronze medal match and then we went and watched the gold medal match i mean it was extremely palpable in that gym did you get a chance to uh enjoy yourself and meet some of the athletes for team usa at all or even athletes internationally who you were excited to see yeah just kind of by happenstance you know where we started play two days after opening ceremonies the women played the day after opening ceremonies and then you just play every other day and we ended up playing the entire time and we actually played the day of closing ceremonies so we were busy the, the entire day of the olympics and if you lose or your event finishes you know a lot of people start partying start enjoying themselves with the other athletes which is awesome but we were walking around the village one night and uh Djokovic was just kind of stretching in one of the parks in the village with uh, his staff. So me and a couple of teammates went over and talked to him for a bit. He knew volleyball. He knew the Serbian team, which was really cool um, that someone at that level was uh, aware of the men's volleyball game. So that was pretty sweet. Otherwise, I mean, we ran into um, Nadal and then the whole the whole USA basketball team where they were around us for opening ceremonies because you end up going and waiting while all the teams are called, you know, you're just kind of waiting in the gym next door. So um, we ended up, yeah, next to the whole basketball team. I'm a big golf guy. I saw Kucher and Ricky, uh, so that was really cool for me. But uh, maybe not as cool for some well, of my teammates who don't really care about golf. Well, but, I mean, ultimately it's good to be playing on the last day, right? I mean, when you're playing a team sport and you're playing on the last day of the Olympics, that usually means something good's going on. You guys came away with bronze, right? Right, yeah, the last day was, uh, yeah, both medal matches. 
that was cool. And it was nice because I think our match was at like 10 o'clock in the morning and, and I ended up going five and we won and it was great. And then we got to go to the medal ceremony after the gold medal match and then we got to go to closing ceremonies. So it ended up being just like a really special day. Now, you play internationally, right? Where, where do you play at? Yes. Well, I played my last season in uh, Verona, Italy, for Blue Molly Verona, um, and that's where I was going to go this season. I actually have a contract there next season, too. Um, so that's, yeah, Verona, Italy. It's north-central Italy, right between Venice um, and Milan. Have you learned Italian? Uh, I learned a decent amount. I, I, I took a lot of Spanish in school, um, and it's very similar but um, also very different. So probably the first four months I was there, I didn't really try speaking at all, but I could catch a lot of conversations. And then uh, and then I started to try and speak. But, um, yeah, you know, you're, you're trying to learn. Your teammates make fun of you because you're speaking poorly. So it's, it's like, really funny. It's, it's, like, it's very humbling. Um, but, you know, I, a couple of my teammates speak it fluently. Um, and I, I'm nowhere near that where they are. They've played in Italy uh, for four or five years. I've only played there one year. So I thought I thought I picked up a lot for my first year, but uh, I definitely have a lot to learn still. So is is that the goal then? Because there there is no real men's indoor professional circuit here in the United States. Uh, it's it's better to be in Europe. Yeah, yeah. All of us go overseas. Uh, Brazil has a good league. A couple teams have a lot of money. Um, but yeah, Europe. We had a bunch of guys in Germany, Italy, France, uh, Russia. Um, so there's there's also Asian leagues, China, Japan, South Korea. So um, I would say those are all really the main leagues. And it, I'm, I'm probably missing one or two, but that's where most of our guys go. It is hard. You know, obviously, you'd rather it be in America, but um, you just can't make the money here. You know, you can play in, like, little tournaments here and there or whatever, but... You can't make near the money here that you can make overseas. Would you like to start up a league here? I mean, I, if, if a bunch of people came together, do you think that there would be a there could be a sustainable league uh, of men's indoor volleyball uh, in the United States? Uh, I mean, clearly, people play yeah, it. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that's kind of the goal. We got a new CEO for USA Volleyball. I think last year, um, he's supposedly a, a more business-minded person, which is awesome. Uh, I think for USA Volleyball. And, I think that's one of his ultimate goals, but I just don't know how close we are, you know, and um, it's also hard if, if you're, you know, a little bit later in your career and you have a good offer overseas, um, you know, are you willing to forego some money to try and establish this league in America when you don't, you know, you're not sure how much longer you're going to play? I'm speaking for other guys, you know, it's just, it's hard to convince people um, that. It's, it's a for sure thing, and I, I, I just think we're really far from it right now. A lot of things have to happen, um, and I think our CEO, Jamie Davis, is, is working on it, but I just don't know um, if, if and when that's going to happen. It's been talked about for a long time, and all my all my teammates overseas, they're, they're like, man, when are they going to have a league in the USA? Because everyone wants to come to the USA, you know? It's like it's the big leagues for a lot of sports, but... Um, for volleyball, it's just not, and everyone asks, and all of us say, oh, we don't really know. Um, we're kind of in the same boat you are. We'd love to play in America. That's where we're from. That's home, but nothing is here right now. What is your mindset here in 2020? Obviously, you've got some healing to do. You've got to get back right. on the courts. 
Uh, you know, I'm sure you you have visions of, of waking up in Olympic Village in Japan, um, but there are many yeah. steps you have to take. Are, are you able to uh, not get too far in advance? I mean, are you able to take this day by day, or, or is it hard for your mind not to just wander to Japan and, and closing ceremonies or opening ceremonies or meeting some of these athletes again? I mean, it, it's got to be a, a mental battle that you're having with yourself while you're waiting for your, for your arm to heal. Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I've had this conversation with a number of people. You know, you even like thinking about it, I can feel the energy like come up in my body and how bad I want it. And, um, but at the same time, like you said, it's so far off that it doesn't. It just doesn't do any good to think about what's going to happen if and when the Olympics come. You know, all I can control is what I do on a daily basis, and I think I've actually found a lot of peace in it. You know, I'm. I've had my injuries. They are what they are. I'm battling it and I'm dealing with it. Everyone else, you know, people have their own battles, and that's that's mine right now. Is my injuries, and I'm going to do everything I can to get healthy. And I'm going to do everything I can to get strong and make that team and help my team and be the best and. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that I'm going to do everything I can. And I don't know what more I can ask for. You know what I mean? I'm going to do all I can to put myself in the best position. And the chips fall where they fall. But, um, yeah, I'm going to work my ass off to get there. So we'll see what happens. But I I know I'm out here grinding and working every day. And um, So it it doesn't really do me any good to get big picture. And um, so that's kind of the mentality I've been taking. Thank you, Thomas. Next week, we're talking men's three-on-three basketball with Purdue University basketball standout and Olympic hopeful Robbie Hummel on the next Quest for Gold at WGNRadio.com.